Well, welcome to this week's episode of the Decarb Connect podcast. And this week, we have a really interesting discussion, which is really going to take us into some design-led thinking and specifically looking at how design-led thinking can radically kind of drive a rethink of decarbonisation and the issues around it in the mining sector. And to help kind of fill that out, uh, we have Carl Weatherall, who's the Executive Director and CEO at Canada's Mining Innovation Council. So, Carl, hello. Good to see you here, be with you here. Hi, Alex. Uh, great to be here. This is going to be a fun, fun discussion. Really looking forward to it. Thank you. And yeah, as always, um, I promise this is not me being lazy. It's just that people are nearly with better storytellers than I am. Tell me a bit about how, how have you come to this point in time when we are sitting here talking about issues of sustainability and, and decarbonization in the mining sector? Well, it's really interesting, Alex, because uh, I'm not from the mining industry. That's the first thing I tell people is I've spent a total of four months at a mine site as a student back in the 80s, Um, although I did spend some time in a federal government lab. Uh, But the interesting thing, what I've done in my career is actually sat at four corners of innovation. So in a for-profit, in a university, in a nonprofit government lab, and they're all connected in the innovation space. Um, But I guess my focal point for my career is, is consortium. So I started working my first consortium in 1988, been involved in uh, about three dozen now in various industries such as, you know, mining, software engineering, defense, microelectronics. And, and in each of those, it's a matter of trying to get people with diverse thoughts or, or um, people that don't know they need to collaborate, have common challenges and bringing those disparate and seemingly unrelated people together actually solve common problems and change possibilities and turn them into plans and actions. So that's kind of a roundabout way of how I ended up running an innovation organization. That's what I've been doing for my entire career. And and the rest of it, like the kind of the, the, the rest of your group, the rest of the leadership group at um, CMIC, what, what? So CMIC, we're a, we're a small nonprofit mm-hmm. in, in Can- we're, we're physically located in Canada, although right now about 45% of our um, particip- project participants members are international. So places like Europe and Australia are, are the, two, the two main ones. We have project participants in South America and, and, and Africa. Um, we have two innovation managers in mining, one in mining, looking at servers in underground mining, and another one in processing. And we call them innovation managers because we're not project managers looking at how do we rethink what we're doing and take those those ideas and turn them into actual projects. Um, so essentially, we're, we're a global organization. Um, you know, that's why we're, we call ourselves CMIC, not Canada Mining Innovation Council. Yes, you can work with us. And we're trying to transform the industry to a zero waste industry. That's what's what's driving us. Looking think, at things differently. Yeah, what, what I really enjoyed about our initial conversation was this this isn't you and your team and the the kind of thinking around this is not tinkering around the edges of the issue it is as we've kind of posited in the the title of this this is about a radical rethink of the the energy equation of yeah of the mining sector so so let's dive into that then let in fact let's start with so CMIC obviously you're as you've explained has this kind of whole focus on innovation radical innovation in, in many ways what are those different thought processes that you're bringing to the issue of decarbonisation and sustainability? So when you look at the other stakeholders and constituents of this kind of issue in uh, decarbonisation of mining, sustainability of mining, what, what's different about the approach, either the mindset or the behaviours that, that you and your group are bringing to the table? So uh, a great question, Alex. And the, and the simple answer is we don't focus on decarbonisation and sustainability. 
if you focus on low low hanging fruit, you'll achieve low hanging fruit results. We're looking at transformation, as I mentioned uh, just a few seconds ago, zero waste industry focus on energy, water, environmental footprint. So when you start looking at aspirational types of goals, we we end up forcing organizations and people. Uh, specifically people to rethink existing approaches to the business, tackle existing paradigms of the business that hold back progress and have a much, much higher impact. If we focus on narrowly defined goals, we'll achieve those readily by, you know, people are talking about targets of 2030 for decarbonization, but what if you tackle the entire energy footprint? What would that mean? And by doing these higher end, uh, higher end goals and, and transformational, aspirational, transformational sort of goals, we'll achieve much greater results and faster because a key piece of how we operate is it's not us. It's not the four of us. We, we basically assemble the, the, the senior leadership in mining companies to, to define these metrics, define the approaches to move forward and actually, actually push things forward. So we just facilitate the process and in some cases manage projects. So it's a, it's a little bit different. This business ecosystem concept we actually brought from the software industry. So you know, they're, they're doing it already. Let's, let's import that. And I'll give you a really good example of this, of the, the challenge and the rethink approach. So, you know, it's fairly common knowledge that, um, you know, combination of crushing and grinding of rocks and mining consumes, what, 35 to 50% of the energy in, in a mine site. Um, and yet the technology is highly inefficient, right? Some people say 95%, whatever that number is, it's pretty inefficient, has been for years. That platform technology, that's a keyword, that platform technology has not changed in decades. So we asked the question back in 2015, can we actually develop a technology that reduces energy in combination by 50%? And the immediate reaction was, yeah, 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 we've heard it before, it's impossible, you can't do it. So we went from 2015 saying, can we do this to December 2020 with the first prototype of a new device, a new, um, a new um, crushing and grinding machine that showed a 42% reduction in energy in five years. Because of the, A, asking that question, can we do this? Assembling the team of experts around the table to figure out how do we do this together versus I'm going to do it myself. And we've essentially got you know, 31 people from um, six mining companies and suppliers around the world working on this. So it's not just us. It's big challenge, intractable, impossible challenge. Get the team together, figure out how to solve it. So that, that's one example. And the, 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 the phrase that I used at the beginning is one that you were talking about again in our initial chat, which is that this idea of design-led thinking. And yep. on this podcast, we've had one kind of, uh, actually, I guess two conversations that have touched on this before, but one was with... Um, a UK company, Celsa UK Steel, and uh, we had their innovation manager on, who is also yep. not from his sector, if you like. So you're not a miner. He wasn't a steel guy. But what he was was someone that brought design-led thinking from other industries into the steel sector. So we exactly. sort of touched on this before. But for those who either haven't heard that or haven't heard the phrase before, just give, give a little bit of a sort of shape to that. What does it mean to say, we're really looking at this from a design-led point of view. So, no, that's awesome, Alex. I love talking about this stuff, even though I'm not an expert in design thinking. So, so I'll make that statement right up front. But what design thinking does, it focuses on the user, focuses on the person. It doesn't focus on the technology. It doesn't focus on the engineering, um, engineering design or the flow sheets. It's on the person. Because what design thinking does is it takes your existing challenges and, and looks at the existing design principles 
tears those apart and tries to come up with new design principles and changing the paradigm. So for example, an existing design uh, principle is we're going to design a mine and we will produce tailings. Design thinking would take a look at that and say, well, what if you didn't produce tailings? What would the design principles look like so you didn't get the tailings? You didn't, you didn't produce tailings or you reduced energy by 50%. So it focuses on the person and a lot of the inherent biases or cognitive dissonance that, that people have. Because we typically jump, revert to cognitive dis- dissonance is like reverting to our existing status quo. We need to produce tailings. No, we don't. Well, that's really cool. Let's try and go down. No, we don't. We have to produce tailings. So this tears that apart and breaks down the paradigms. And a huge piece of this, and I'll reemphasize this, is that most people believe innovation or in, in, in the topic of this podcast, decarbonization is technical. It is not technical. It's about 95% people. Innovation is about people. These challenges are about people. Actually, there's a number of articles we've written in the last two years on the focus is people, not technology. And this approach tackles the people side of it. And I'll give you a really good example of this. I, I love anecdotes because they're, they're just so powerful. So in 2018, we collected a group of people across multiple uh, commodities, oil and gas, base metals, precious metals, suppliers, miners, in a room to uh, design the surface roadmap of the future. So what does the surface mining of the future look like? And it's funny, I, I, I asked one person at the end of the workshop, so what do you think? What did you think of the workshop? And he, it was telling, right? He said, you know, Carl, I didn't want to be here. I thought it was totally useless. We have nothing in common with oil and gas. We're hard rock miners. What a, it, it's a waste of time. I just came here because my boss told me to show up and now I'm going to have to work all weekend. But then he said, but I had no idea we had so much in common with these other people. We're actually going out for dinner tonight to explore opportunities to work together. So that paradigm shift, that cognitive dissonance, which is broken down by getting people into the room and discussing opportunities. So it's gone from, we can't work with them to they're our best partners. And we now have projects and consortia with multiple commodities at the table. By breaking, it's not just about what you do and how you do it, it's who you do it with. Mm-hmm. So that design thinking is about that people-centric um, aspect. And it's looking at from design principles, not engineering principles. Engineering comes last. Mm-hmm. And I guess ultimately gets everyone out of their furrow of linear thinking, which is the killer, isn't it? It's the how do we work from where we are rather than how do we work from a whole new vantage point, a whole new perspective on the issue. Exactly, exactly. Well, so let's kind of, uh, again, sort of go into that a bit more. So you've mentioned this, the, the prototype that kind of came into it or was ready back in December last year. But how, how did you even get there? How did you unpack uh, that that kind of phrase you used of that, that that platform. How did you unpack the typical mining platform to to even find those opportunities for new routes forward? Because um, just for everyone listening, it's not that I'm trying to avoid talking about mining, but I just want to make sure we're we're also looking at what what can other sectors take from this. So, so how did you unpack that discussion about how things work to get to this, you know, the, the point of focus that then ultimately led to a, a massive energy reduction through this new this new prototype? How, how did you do that? So, so basically, what we the first step we did was put a, a bunch of senior people in a room for a couple of days, and we've done this with surface mining, underground mining, and processing. The processing one took a couple of years because it was so big, but we put them executives in a room from multi commodities, invited guests, mining companies, suppliers, etc., and basically used design thinking to create a 
roadmap, what is the future of, in this case, processing, if we're looking to reduce energy by 50% in 10 years? What does that look like? And, and these roadmaps are basically one-pagers that, that disassemble our current thought process of and challenges our existing paradigms of what processing is today versus where it should be in the future. So what these roadmaps do is you get people together to align the mining companies and the suppliers with an end goal. Here's, here's, here are the key challenges we need to tackle. We, some people call them swim lanes. Um, we need to you know, do, do specific things related to um, energy breakage for or, uh, energy and breakage, for example. Um, we need to make sure that we're, we're aligning the ecosystem and collaborating differently together. So there's things like this. So you, we do the roadmap and that provides two key functions. As I said, it, it gets alignment. It gets alignment in, in, across the entire supply chain. And it shows there's lots of overlap between, you know, the well of common problems, let's collaborate. But um, uh, the second thing it does as well is provides that pathway. Because as I said, on the combination, uh, on, on, the, on the new, new technology for combination, it's impossible, we can't do it. Here's the pathway to get there. So that's basically what we did. So you create the roadmap and then you get, that, once that's done and agreed to, and they're really simple, they're one pages with some background stuff. When, once you get there, is you put a subset of people in a room and say, okay, where do you want to focus? Strategy sessions, okay? Here are the key issues, strategy sessions. What do you want to focus on? Energy combination is huge. Okay, let's, let's dive down into that. What are the key issues here? Well, there's a lot of people working on, on incremental aspects of combination. We need to change the platform. What do we need to do? Right. So we ended up focusing on new technology to reduce energy by 50%. It was a key, it was a line item in our roadmap. Assembled the team and then went down the path to actually create that. And, and a key piece of this, as you as you picked up, Alex, is that when we're doing this, as I said, we're not focusing on the incremental pieces, we're focused on the platforms. So if we want to get to, you know, for example, 50% reduction in energy, what are the platform processes and technologies holding us back? In processing, it happens to be ball mills, right? For example, they waste energy. We all know it. we can't change it. Let's tackle that. By the same token, underground mining. What are some of the issues in underground mining related to carbonization, related to energy, related to water, related to tailings? It's the platform, multiple platforms in the platform process of the drill and blast process. What if you could replace that process? with something that would, for example, um, uh, reduce the amount of uh, material that you send to surface by say 50%. Just imagine that. If you could eliminate 50% of the material that goes to the surface, how does that change your energy equation in the mill? It potentially reduces energy by, I don't know, 30 to 50% right there. What does it do with your tailings footprint? It reduces the tailings footprint by you know, 30 to 50% right away. But to do that, you need to tackle those platform processes one at a time. And in fact, we've got multiple consortiums in the way in process right now, tackling a couple of the key platform processes. So it's, it's really, so that those are a couple of examples. Start with roadmap, get alignment, mining companies primarily, because they have to pull this, strategy sessions, where do you want to focus, assemble the teams. And, and this is the key concept I mentioned before about business ecosystems. You don't just sit there and get, cool people together. It's who do we need around the table to solve this problem? And in most of our, most of our consortia, we have, well, I would say all of them, we have people around the table who have never worked together before. So by aligning on common challenges, 
and getting excitement about trying to solve these challenges, you can actually attract the right people to solve these problems. And the, the processing example I gave is a stellar example of that. 31 people around the world, five years, show the prototype. Incredible. And so through those discussions, I mean, there must clearly there were a number of different opportunities that you identified and then you narrowed in on this, this one particular. But what what other, just to give us a bit of a flavor, so there was this the, the grinding, the crushing, this intense use of energy for this critical activity as part of the platform. What what else did you, what else came up that was kind of like a close run, close run contender that could have been in, in the mix for further development? So, so it's interesting. Um, there's a couple of things that came out of that. We, we actually held a workshop in December of 2018, a project development workshop with the roadmap. And we had about, I don't know, 60 or 70 people from across Canada. I think we had a few from outside of Canada as well, just to, to actually tear that apart and say, what do we need to focus on in, term, in terms of projects? And identified seven projects. Um, four of them, five of them just weren't quite at the level to move forward, but two we started working on. One of them is on um, uh, on microwaves. Microwaves have been around for, I don't know, what, 30 years, but they haven't really been deployed at any scale. So by assembling people in this workshop and, you know, somebody stood up in the workshop, it'll never work. It's been going on for 30 years. Stop now. Just stop. Move on. And then people ask the question, well, why doesn't it work? And a few people started bantering and the project team got together and these people had never worked together before, launched a project. It's called Can Micro, and it's actually just finished, I think, the past 18 months. They've been working together on using microwaves for uh, or sorting and rock breakage. So that's one example. Another one is related to data. The challenge is we rely on the, this business eco concept, ecosystem concept relies on participation of volunteers in the mining industry who are already over over committed. So it, it's kind of gone in the wayside for now. We're trying to trying to get it uh, back up and running, but it was about data processing plans. Can we share data, build a platform, analyze the data and see where we can go with that? So those are a couple of examples. Uh, a third one, actually, this came up later, is, is on the whole um, uh, sensor-based ore sorting. So a key, a key challenge is, and this has come up in multiple roadmaps, is the whole idea of ore body knowledge. So from exploration, here's our drill core to underground and surface mining, this is what we have into the processing plants. Can you actually trace and get the knowledge of the ore body as it changes throughout the process? So you actually get the full spectrum of data and analysis of what's the mineralogy and all this sort of stuff of, of the components within, within your system as it goes through the process. Can, can you actually do mineralogical analysis? Are there sensors to do that in multiple commodities? Can you do ore sorting on the ground at, uh, or in front of the mill at, um, for example, you know, PP, PPM levels of gold, specific to gold sets? So there's other things that have, that have come up as a result. Those are three examples, and we actually have a consortium and sensor-based ore sorting right now as well. International, looking at all of these questions, but ore body knowledge is something key across every roadmap we have. Mm. And so you mentioned that the kind of the goal, well, not just the goal, the, the, the way this needs to work, it, it cannot just be taking one part of a given supply chain. It has to include kind of various different partners, uh, stakeholders and, and so forth. But like we, we, I have definitely used the phrase uh, alignment across a value chain or alignment across the supply chain before. But what does it mean here? Like what in practice, again, and practically, what, what does it mean? Because I, I imagine there are many 
leaders and in various hard to abate sectors who are thinking, well, our supply chain is aligned. But what, what does it mean in this kind of context uh, that you're talking about? So a couple of key pieces of alignment. One is this is what the industry, where the industry is going, what they need. Let's focus on solving that versus here's my solution. There's no problem. We're trying to sell something. So that disconnect, we see it all the time. And we get, you know, SMEs and startups coming to us asking for advice on what the industry needs are and where they're going. What about this product? If you did this, tailored a little bit, you'd have a direct fit. So it's that sort of alignment. And the second one is alignment on how to work with mining companies. You know, getting away from the transactional modality, here's my stuff I want to sell you, right, versus this is what you actually need. Let's co-develop it together. And that's a huge piece is can we get the supply chain more in the co-development, uh, co-development pathway versus buy-sell? So those are two key pieces of alignment. It's not just about selling products. It's about addressing specific needs or higher, higher order needs and selling product at the same time. And this, you know, it, another piece of this potentially that the industry is learning this slowly is a whole idea of co-opetition. So we see this, you know, you talk about alignment, alignment between miners and suppliers, but you can collaborate and compete at the same time. How do you do that? Right. The software business has been doing this for decades. You know, cutthroat companies have been working together to, to collaborate and they go outside and they compete. And this is where the platform approach comes in. Can you have a neutral sort of platform approach that you co-develop? That then you can each of your companies can take away and add your secret sauce to it and then sell two different two different pieces. But the platform's designed by the companies, the mining companies, so you know there's value to it. You just add more value by adding, I don't know, AI and control control functions or something else to it to provide value. It's like a cell phone, right? If you take a look at the Android cell phone, the platform that runs that Android is co-developed by people who compete. They add value to that platform and then they go and they go and sell. So that's the, that's the sort of uh, way we look at alignment, trying to push the industry towards this whole co-development piece as well. Does that make sense? It does. I think um, we we see some of that. I know in the cement sector, there's been. I don't. I don't think I've heard the phrase or the word uh, co-opetition before, but I, I've seen and heard sort of similar things there, where there have been, especially around areas issues relating to sustainability, where there has been a real interest to co-develop, or at the very least co-diagnose maybe um, uh, a route forward. And and for us, you know, that for Decarb Connect, that's very much, I suppose, at the root of of how we're trying to approach this, because there are clearly you you are a great example of why there's real value in focusing on a single sector and drilling, you know, drilling into it. But we we take that uh, aligned view, I hope also, which is that cross sector collaboration um, also really can can drive progress and and also accelerate uh, progress for all concerned. But. Yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to see that our decarbonisation leaders network moving into competition. Maybe, maybe that's a separate conversation for you and I. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but let me let me bring you back then to actually something you mentioned really towards the beginning of the conversation. So you were talking about the idea um, that your your kind of focus is not it's not decarbonisation as I had introduced it. Apologies, and it's not sustainability, but it it is on how do you get to be how does mining get to be a zero waste. Uh, sector zero waste as, as the focus rather than or the ambition rather than just taking co2 out of the operational uh, uh, outputs um so let, let's just talk about that for a moment so zero tailing zero percent emissions really really is that possible and 
in, in as much time as we have, which is obviously podcast time, not the full detail it would need, what, what would it take to, to really deliver zero tailings and zero percent emissions? Are we closer to understanding that? Um, well, your first question, Alex, can you do it? Absolutely. I'm, I'm of the opinion that anything can be can be done. And there's a there's a quote um, I often refer to uh, by Napoleon Hill. And it, it, it's it's not politically correct, but I'll use the, the original quote. And it goes something like what the mind of man can conceive and the mind of man can uh, can believe man can achieve. So if you think of it, which we've done, you can believe in it, which a lot of people do then we can achieve it. And I believe we're on the pathway to achieving this right now. So yes, it can be done. What do we need to, and, and actually, if you look back at the whole issue on decarbonization, electrification, that's part of the pathway to get to zero, right? It is part of the pathway. If you look at the, the focus on ore sorting and mining companies, that's getting on the pathway to zero. The focus on using mechanical cutting underground, for example, that's getting on the, they're all getting on the pathway to zero. So I think we're already there. What else do we need to do? And some of that uh, is basically, I talked about before, the, the current paradigms, right? Shift our paradigm thinking about, uh, about who we work with, how we do it, and what we're trying to do. And I'll give you an example of that with one of our projects um, you know, where we've identified um, a focus area. So in surface mining, for example, um, a lot of the industry now is focused on here's our existing platform of big tall trucks, you know, 300 ton haul trucks or whatever they are. Let's change the batteries or let's change them from the fuel from uh, diesel to battery. So they're focused on the same platform, just swapping the fuel. What we're looking at is alternatives to haul trucks. So can you get rid of eventually four wheeled rubber tire trucks? Because they're inefficient, they're the, the you know highest capex, opex in industries, etc., and you know they run a diesel. But instead of just electrifying, can you do something different? So one of our projects is, is called Alternative Haulage. Evaluated 27 technologies around the world that the mining industry aren't using right now. So for example, one of the technologies is maglev trains, not haul trucks. Maglev trains. There's technology that was used in aircraft carriers to move munitions from aircraft carriers that, that can reticulate around, around the benches on, a, on a, a surface mine. So looking way outside the box. But a key part of this is we have actually developed a holistic um, modeling framework for how you determine if you can actually use this in a mindset. Will it integrate into existing you know, fleets of haul trucks, number one? Uh, what's the ESG impact? What's the car, the GHG impact? Like a whole holistic framework versus the typical in, um, NPC and, and this sort of stuff, right? It's bigger than that. So we're actually, we have a conversation in two hours on the next step for this project. So that's one example, right? Getting people to think away from the existing platforms that we have and look at alternatives. And that applies all the way across, uh, across the board too. So for example, in expiration, can you find a deposit without a drill? Can you do that, right? Ask, as I said before, in the combination piece, ask a question and go down the pathway to try and solve it. There's technologies in quantum physics that are out there right now that might be able to be used to do that. Can you do that? Don't know. Um, a lot of large mining companies look at world-class assets, right? Does that world-class asset need to be contiguous? Does it have to be in one location or can you have an asset that you deplete in five years and, and move your modular mine 
somewhere else and do the next piece of your world-class asset for another five years, et cetera. So it's thinking and challenging the paradigms. It's, that's what we call ourselves, rethink mind. Is let's take a look at these problems differently. So um, I believe, yes, you can do it. We've got to challenge some of our thinking about the business, who we operate with, and potentially even cognitive diversity within the, within the mining companies. Right, you need diversity of thought in the mining companies. There's a colleague of mine doing his master's degree in this process, in this uh, uh, question right now. <laughs> diversity of thought in senior executive leadership, um, and I, I mentioned this before too. By focusing on the platforms versus incremental improvement, you you can have massive changes. So as I mentioned before about zero tailings. If we can prove, not if we can prove, if we can ensure that we use mechanical cutting to be the first piece of the new underground platform, that'll open the door for everything else, right? So you've got to do the first step and it'll get people to think differently. Um, and by looking at the integrated, it's not just about, it's not just about processing or underground mining, it's about the integration. And the last piece is we have to collaborate. Now, I will say really. Because what we're seeing is there are companies that like to collaborate. There's ones that say they collaborate, but we need to collaborate really where we're actually really co-developing these solutions. So yes, we need to change a few things. We're on the pathway of doing it. I, I, I'm going to pick up on something you're saying, which is about the, the, the need for um, that sort of different personalities, different mindsets to come into mining to address this. But I'm also get, then going to, pick up on something else you said, which is that example of one of the working groups you gave where someone who had just been sent there and didn't really want to be there actually being a key reason why that was able to move forward. And I, I think that's something that all kinds of companies can miss and that often when they're looking at innovation as an opportunity or challenge, they want to get the people in the room who are just going to make it work. Just you're more innovative, you go. And actually your point was, having those dissenting voices is absolutely essential to how these things become reality. It was, I was just looking up on my phone. If you thought apologies to <laughs> apologies to Carl, who probably thought I was being very rude while we we're recording, but I was just trying to remember uh, it was Bill Sharp who I interviewed over the new year, who's the three horizons innovation uh, writer and thinker. And again, he, he was saying something very similar, which is you need these in his words, these three different mindsets to come together for real change to be made. And I think that's what I'm hearing from, from what you're saying as well. This isn't just about get the innovators in a room and it'll all be okay. This is, you know, get get all sorts of brain power in the room who can dissent, agree, unpick and challenge. Well, it, it's funny you say that, Alex, because a term we use in some of our in some of our strategy sessions with the miners and the suppliers is challenge and confront. So when somebody says something, one of our innovation managers will jump right in and, and basically challenge that statement and confront the issue. So it actually pushes people. And without that sort of facilitation and that challenge and confront mentality and diversity of thought, you'll get stuck in the same sort of cognitive biases that, that have been there forever. But that being said, I, I would say that I think the industry has come a long way. In, in I've been at CMIC for eight years. And when I started, it was challenging we're seeing i'm seeing a, a significant growth in you know companies and organizations wanting to collaborate thinking differently bring new people on board if you look at digital you know in 2015 digital was a uh, unknown and everybody's focused in this space now Com mining companies are hiring people with phds in computer science 
you know, they never would have before unless it was an operations or SAP system. So this is all really good. And they're starting to reach out more to, to startups and incubators and SMEs outside the industry. So we're seeing that shift. We're seeing that shift. So roundabout way to go back to the question, can it get to zero? The industry is the right pathway to do that. Okay, well, a, kind of a wrap-up question. Again, this is really just because I'm aware that in our listening audience and also in our uh, members network and across our community, there's a range of industrials and investors and technology companies. So to, to kind of step away from the specifics of mining, what, what is the, the, the mental model, which is this phrase I love uh, at the moment, what is the mental model that you think other sectors, so not related to mining specifically, but more generally interested in this sort of totally innovative approach to a real radical rethink about uh, how how we work as industries. What, what mental mo- models should they take, could they take from the work that you're doing? If they're trying to sort of think about how to even apply this in a small way, what, what would you be suggesting? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip that first and then answer the question. So I'm going to flip it because a lot of the mental models we used here, like the, the road mapping, the business ecosystems, platforms, um, other industries have been using that for decades. So software industry, microelectron- microelectronics industry got away from, from roadmaps about five years ago. They're done with it. We're just starting. All right. So uh, even the pharmaceutical industry is creating and the defense industry are creating, um, you know, um, business ecosystems using the co-opetition model. So there's a, a lot of people that have already done this. We're just borrowing from, borrowing from it. Um, I guess the mental model that other sectors who are not doing this, again, it comes down to um, the, the whole idea of design thinking. Look at your, either, whether it's your business or your sector, look at it differently, right? And, and challenge the paradigms of your business constantly, challenge and confront, whatever. But use design thinking with the platforms. And again, the platforms are common. They're common in many industries, but are there platforms from other industries, for example, transportation, that can be used in mining? So think of mining as a potential customer. Or if there's SMEs out there that are selling to mining, can you take that that uh, product you have, retool it a little bit into a platform and sell to other industries? So it is challenging that sort of um, that that paradigm thinking. Uh, and lastly, is again I, I mentioned this before, but the whole business ecosystem idea. Reach out to find the really good people that can solve this. It is likely not in your industry. It's probably not the people you you thought of. I remember, I'll give you an example. I was reminded years ago that one of the top gaming, this is a long time ago, one of the top gaming companies that was sold to um, a top tier, um, or sorry, a gaming startup that was sold to a top tier um, gaming company a number of years ago was actually created by a team composed of uh, two psychologists. They weren't computer scientists. You look at a gaming company as being computer scientists. So think differently. Right. Think totally differently about who should be on your team to do that challenge and confront, to make you change your paradigms and to add value to whatever you're doing. So uh, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Good place to finish. Thank you, Carl. I, I knew I'd enjoy this, but thanks for you know bringing just a lot of interesting ideas. And as you say, the stories to illustrate them as well. It's been great. Thanks so much. Thank you, Alex. It's been, it's been amazing. Hopefully we can talk again soon. <laughs>